BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so beyond excited to be here with another astrologist, Aliza. Hi. So, <laughs> so I'm. I feel very grateful because you pronounced my name correctly. Great. But it, the term is actually astrologer, not okay, astrologist. Tell me. Tell me what the difference is. So interestingly enough, there actually isn't a technical difference between mm-hmm. astrologer and astrologist. Is it a male female thing? No, it's that astrologist doesn't exist. The oh. the technical term for it is astrologer. I see. So okay. when somebody announces himself as an astrologist. You're you know, like you know that they're bullshit. They don't know shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so interesting. Okay, good to know. Noted. All right. So, how old are you? First, and where are you from? <laughs> well, I am in human years, twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the midst of my Saturn return, as we speak, it is happening today mm-hmm. and this whole week, mm-hmm. exact on Friday. Mm-hmm. Today's Wednesday. So that makes you older. Or younger. That makes me just fucked. Everybody goes through a Saturn return between the ages of 28 and 31. It hits at different points for them. But that is the time when Saturn in your chart is illuminated by Saturn in the sky. It comes back home. Mm. So it's really when you become an adult. It's like your mm-hmm. bat mitzvah. Not to be dark, but do you think that's why a lot of people kind of want to die or kill themselves oh, it is, yeah. around like 27, 28? Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, when Saturn comes back around, it really is, it's sort of like a corrections officer mm. coming through to make sure that all of the things that you are doing and have done are aligning in their proper place. Right. And if you've had a really, really tough life, Saturn recognizes that and acknowledges it and gives you the tools that you need to make things easier. Mm. If you have been just like skating on through, you know, easy peasy. Then it makes it harder. Yeah. I see. So everyone goes through a Saturn return. We were talking a little bit before this. Would you say I'm in my Saturn return? You are in your Saturn return. There's a few different ways of thinking about Saturn return. Mm -hmm. One is when Saturn enters the sign, which is a... Basically, it's like a two and a half year, three year long period. Mm. There's also when Saturn actually returns to the exact degree. And some astrologers just utilize that. Some astrologers just, you know, think that the Saturn return is that day that this happens. For me, this will be on Friday. But it is like a two and a half year experience. Mm -hmm. And with just like learning about astrology in the past, I have also kind of learned a tiny, tiny bit about like, past lives and I guess my question is do you think that you've lived before and do you think that's a thing that has anything to do with astrology 
Yes, I do. I mean, I, I believe very strongly in past lives, but I don't think of them as the same way that, you know, people who imagine themselves as like, oh my God, I had a vision that I was like Cleopatra or right, Marie no. Antoinette. No, no, no. I actually see past lives as being very hereditary mm. um, and being passed down through family lines. Yeah. And I see experiences and pain and joy and sorrow moving through family lines. Mm -hmm. um, so I see our past lives as more relating to our ancestors as opposed to like our souls in a different vessel. Mm -hmm. So if I were, if I was told by someone that gave me a reading that in a past life I was a dictator, do you think that it's possible that that was like my great grandpa? I do. Something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And awesome. I think that when I think that there is a lot of people who come into our lives who we did meet in past iterations mm. to teach us lessons. One philosophy is that anybody you meet before your Saturn return mm. is somebody from a past life wow. because it's during your Saturn return that you become your own person. Right. So the people you meet after or during are not so much? The people you meet during are people who are sort of like co-orbiting with you mm. um, and then the people you meet after could or couldn't but it's after your Saturn return when you are in that next phase you're right. really def you've defined yourself and you've mm -hmm. defined your own identity wow do you think it's possible and this is just a shot in the dark that in a past life I was my mom's mom and she was my daughter I think you are your mom's mom and daughter simultaneously oh I don't see it as me like specifically or like anyone. anybody I mm -hmm. mean I think that we play the roles of multiple people in our families and mm. in a chart you can really see the way that everybody is embedded in different spaces we oscillate roles so frequently in our lives and I think that there's so many times when we will find ourselves in a position where we're mothering our mother or fathering our father, sure. which comes down the line of their own upbringings and how they experience the, the world and life. Mm, that's very interesting. So stepping back a little bit. So what, where were you born? I was born in New York. Okay. And where did you go to school? Give a shout out. I, I went to a couple different schools. Okay. Shout out to no one who remembers me from lab school, <laughs> kindergarten, first grade. I remember, I remember lab school. <laughs> cool. Was there for two years, mm -hmm. switched to PS6. Then I went to Eastside Middle. Mm. And then I went to a very, very weird performing arts high school that I... PCS? PPAS. Ah. The public school variation of it. Very cool. Yeah. I, it's the dark years. And you wanted at that point in your life to be a performer? No, I, I didn't. I wanted at that point in my life to go to LaGuardia for art where I got in, mm. but my mother told me I could not go to a big school oh. because I was already getting into too much trouble. Ah, I see. And do you have any siblings? I have a half-sister. Great. And is she older? Younger. Awesome. But I'm very much, I'm my mother's only child, mm. and I'm very, very much uh, Capricorn rising mm -hmm. in that I feel the responsibility solely of carrying a lot of weight and legacies. So let's let's hear about your whole chart because we now know that you're Capricorn rising. What is your sun sign? What is your moon sign? Give us all the gist. So my sun sign is Leo. Mm -hmm. My moon sign is Pisces. My rising is Capricorn. And I have an eighth house stellium and mm. I have a 12th house stellium. What do those mean to those who don't know, including myself? So a stellium is a collection of four or more, some astrologers say three or more, I say four, planets in any sign or house. Mm -hmm. um, it is oh, a concentration of energy. In, mm -hmm. It pools in certain areas. 
The eighth house is death, sex, and transformation. Mm-hmm. The themes associated with it are very scorpionic. Right. A lot about regeneration, which mm-hmm. comes in many different forms. And the themes associated with the twelfth house are themes around uh, secrets, psychic powers, intuition, subconscious. It's basically the unseen realm. Mm-hmm. So it's everything that exists on the other side. And that's what, based on your chart, you are very interested in? I would say I'm a more 8th house person okay. than a 12th house. Mm-hmm. And how do I know what I am? By looking at your chart. But not. I have a very particular chart. Mm-hmm. I have a very extreme chart that says I can only do weird things sure. or I bust. Mm-hmm. You know. So most people, I haven't met anybody who has the same situation mm-hmm. that I'm working with yet. Which is also why when I look at somebody's chart, like nothing really freaks me out. Because mm. I have a very fucking freaky chart. That's really interesting. Can we can we just pull mine up for one second and see if I have any of those stelliums? I'm for so sure. Curious. I feel like I I could probably be wrong, but I feel like me having Virgo and so many different things. So you have a Capricorn stellium. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. So actually, people born, I think it's 88 to 91. Mm. Everybody born, so like sort of the heart of the millennial spirit, mm-hmm. has Neptune, Uranus, and... I'm sorry, Neptune, Uranus, and Saturn all in Capricorn, Uh, which is a really unusual cluster to have. So there is a particular energy of these three outer planets working together within Capricorn's domain. mm -hmm. I see it as very much defining the millennial spirit. So, you know, everybody who's born within those years has three planets in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And then if you have one or two more on top of it, you have an instant stellium. So in your case, you have a moon in Capricorn, conjunct, which means the same as Mm -hmm. Saturn in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So when you have your Saturn return, which is going to be, I think, in late 2019, the exact return, Mm -hmm. it's going to be an emotional one for you, too, because we have the moon, which is the emotional inner world I appreciate that. I'm ready to feel emotions that I feel like have not been around for a while. Good. Hopefully they're not too intense. Well, they might be. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'm not going to lie you. you. I'll have to call you. That's like in January or the it's end? It's going to be in 2019. Okay. But like the beginning of 2019? I have to, I would have to pull up what is called mm-hmm. an ephemeris in order Ooh. to find the exact date. What's an ephemeris? An ephemeris is a table mm-hmm. that lists the degrees of every planet in the sky by date so yeah so you Mm -hmm. look at that to see okay when is saturn going to be at 18 degrees Mm -hmm. in the sky i think that it is going to be in the latter half of 2019 Mm -hmm. but to get the exact date i need to pull that shit up interesting and i have to ask you like a question that a hater would ask because i'm not a hater but we do unfortunately have a lot of people who don't really understand why astrology is is a thing And they would maybe ask, you know, how does, like, the way the moon and the stars and whatever, when you were born, how does that dictate, like, anything with your personality? You know, I'm sure you've gotten a question like this before. And what do you say to these people? Well, honestly, I'm very privileged to not really have to talk to those people anymore Mm. because I'm not their target audience. Sure. I think I'm too far on the other side to have those conversations. Of course. Not to sound like a overly snarky but Mm -hmm. I I don't really care right it doesn't really matter astrology Mm -hmm. isn't something that you have to believe in it's something that you can enjoy it's a language Mm -hmm. of understanding yourself Mm. it's a language of being able to find empathy Mm -hmm. it's helps people 
form connections mm-hmm. um, based on these amazing cosmic ancient patterns and right. synchronicities that bond us to right. the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. It's really like a beautiful art. And I, you know, for people who don't want to be typecast in it, like, mm-hmm. cool. There's, right. They end up still asking me who for they sure. should be with. For sure. <laughs> Do you think that if somebody is adverse to astrology, it might have something to do with them not liking what they've heard about their, let's say, sun sign or moon sign? I'm obviously a, I love science, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I'm not like only metaphysical science. I love mm-hmm. real science. I love real astronomy. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is, in school, we're taught that you know, this is passed down through enlightenment thought Mm -hmm. that anything that can't be proven isn't real. Right. And that anything that can't be proven then just ceases to exist. And Mm. this is obviously a way of oppressing people, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you don't have the resources to prove something like you wouldn't have in the enlightenment era, then you couldn't, you weren't valid. It invalidates your experience entirely. Mm -hmm. And I think that in school, we're taught that that is the way to see the world and think about things. And I think it takes somebody who's really a soft, open-minded, intellectual person to realize that there's a lot more than meets the eye. Yeah, I agree. Would you be able to be with someone who didn't believe in astrology? No, Mm -hmm. not at this point. The same way I wouldn't be able to be with a Trump supporter. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, yes, you said that perfectly. So... What made you decide to get into astrology? How old were you when you began to learn more, I guess, and research about it? And what drew you to it? So my uncle, when I was born, handcrafted my natal chart and mm-hmm. sent it to my mother. And he was an amazing astrologer. And he told her certain things about my chart. I grew up with this very beautiful, illuminated birth chart. Mm. He passed away when I was three. So I, you know, what his words to my mother were, which obviously it's like a game of telephone, had been Mm -hmm. so manipulated over time, had become this sort of mythological path for me. And there was not really one aha moment. There was not a single thing that triggered me to go further and deeper into it. It was just sort of it always just sort of unraveled. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been curious about people's signs. I've always mm-hmm. asked people their signs, but when right. I took it further, it was it just felt very organic. Mm-hmm. What was your uncle's sign? Sagittarius. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's my dad's. Oh, yeah, my, it's my mom's. Oh, I love that. You were surrounded by a lot of Sag. Love Sages. That's a, their oh, past life for mm-hmm. me. Ah, oh, what does that mean exactly? So I, one of the ways that I can see the way if, if somebody has a past life, quote unquote, effect on somebody mm. is if that sign falls in their 12th house. Mm. So for you, that would be Leo. Ah, uh, yeah. Past life Leo. Fully, fully, fully. So Leo people, mm-hmm. like myself, inspire you and trigger you into these so. past life things. Very much But so. because they're in your 12th house, they also have this sort of untouchable aspect to them where you're like, I can't figure it out. Mm. Like, why won't, why are you so, whatever it is. Mm. Um, because in the 12th house, it's the unseen realm. So there's right. things that just exist in abstraction that we can never understand. Mm. So... Something that I've learned as a Libra is that I'm a cardinal sign. What does that mean? Who else is a cardinal sign? And um, 
what is the difference between cardinal signs? I think it's muted signs. And mutable, then yeah. Mutable, and then some other Fixed, thing. yeah. Fixed. So there's three different modalities mm-hmm. of the signs. We have cardinal and fixed and mutable. Mm-hmm. So you can think of them in the way that they occur seasonally. So cardinal are the signs that kick off new seasons. Mm-hmm. So we have Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And these are all manifestors. Mm-hmm. They get things done. Then we have the fixed signs, which maintain systems and can keep things running. Mm. And those are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Those are the ones who sort of just like, you know, they have the task, they're doing it, they're implementing it. Within these four pairs and the last four pairs, there are opposite signs. They are, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones create squares. Mm. So these would all be in the shape of squares. That's called an aspect. Mm-hmm. And those are the relationships between the different signs in astrology. I see. So we talked about cardinal, then fixed, and then lastly we have the mutable signs. And the mutable signs are what change things. Mm-hmm. They are the things that, they're the signs that say, okay, we actually need to innovate. We need to reinvent this. This isn't working. Mm-hmm. And those are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Mm. So if you want to think of the negative qualities of all of these, as I like to do because I'm a Capricorn rising, Uh I'm super snarky, Uh is cardinal or selfish, uh, fixed or stubborn, Mm -hmm. and mutable or flaky. So there you go. (laughs) That makes so much sense. Mutable are so flaky, and we are so selfish, and you guys are pretty stubborn. Yeah. so fucking true. Hey guys, like, I don't know about you, but I am so fucking busy this winter. Like, whoever said the winter is slow is a liar because I have no time to do anything for myself, which is why I'm so obsessed with FabFitFunBox right now because it's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. So I don't have to run around getting recommendations from friends on, oh, like, what are you into right now? What are you buying? What's good for your skin right now? Um, Instead, I go, it's like a one-stop shop with FabFitFun. And the Winter's Editor's Box is what's available now. You've got to sign up before they sell out. I honestly feel like it is Christmas slash Hanukkah four times a year right now because it's so great. Every season, I get a FabFitFun box with so many amazing products, skincare products, fashion, beauty, and even like a really warm blanket, which is very important for the winter. They've got Michael Starrs, Dr. Brandt, Chi, Moroccan oil, like everything. If If you've tried it, you know how great it is. And because I love you guys so much, I'm giving you my code for 40% off your first box. That's almost half off, which is pretty legit, Um, especially for something that has a value of over $200 that is already only $49.99. So you get 40% off. You use Acme, A-C-M-E. You just go to fabfitfun.com. You choose your, the things in your box, which is You choose the things in your box, which is really fun to do. Like maybe you want some exfoliating scrub. Maybe you want some essential oils, which I have to say, like my Elevate essential oils are in front of me right now. And the orange one, Sweet Orange, actually helps with all of my headaches. So check it out. Go to fabfitfun.com. Use the code ACME at checkout for 40% off. Check it out. F-A-B-F-I-T. F-U-N dot com.
Check it. Hope you're enjoying Aliza. Oh, I have a good question. If you could be any other sun sign or any other moon sign or any other rising. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What a fun game to play for my Pisces moon. Um, I don't know. I've worked so hard on understanding my own chart that I feel really connected to it now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I would love to... You know, like maybe I would swap out my harsh Capricorn Saturn rising for like a Gemini world. Oh, like, really? Yeah, I don't know. You said that. I don't know. I feel like it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Everything's so serious for me. Right. It'd be nice to have like a little playtime. Mm-hmm. But I have the with the Pisces moon. I've you know what? I love my chart. I've really right. I've learned how to work with it. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's dark and heavy and yep. beautiful. So we're going to take a step away from astrology for a second and just talk about some things because you are an astrologer, but you're also a human. Definitely a human. (laughs) And (laughs) you date. Um, Yes. So what is your current relationship status? I am currently in a relationship. Cool. And where did you guys meet? Tinder. I love that so much. And I met my boyfriend on Hinge. Cool. And I think that normalizing dating apps and taking away the stigma is really something that everyone should try to do more, you know? Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's wonderful to be able to connect with people in, on different platforms in mm-hmm. different ways. I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that it exposes you to people that you would not have crossed paths with otherwise, mm-hmm. and maybe you didn't cross them for a reason. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of projection that happens on dating apps, mm-hmm. so I think that people need to be very responsible when they use them. Right. Because it's very easy to find somebody and see their profile, and immediately you're like, oh, I can see myself mm. fitting this person into my life like Mm. oh yeah I've always wanted to be with a lawyer I've always wanted to be with somebody from England Mm. but ultimately like my boyfriend (laughs) well there you go Mm -hmm. you fit him in right but ultimately you know it's not about trying to find somebody who you can just drop into your situation Mm. it's about really getting to know another soul and recognizing that they have their own journey too so something that I posted about recently that you responded to, and I was so happy, was the L.A. versus New York debate. Oh, yes. So (laughs) I'm assuming that you spent time living in both places. Yeah, so I'm from New York. I lived here until I was 18. I Mm -hmm. went to college in Minnesota. I did my study abroad, and then I moved to L.A. Where did you study abroad, actually? I went to Ireland and Rome. Ooh, cool. Mm -hmm. Apparently, I was Catholic in a past life. I love that. Also, I can say Minnesota like a person from Minnesota. Do it. Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) So you lived in L.A. what years of your life? Oh, the... My formative 20s, mm. my 23 mm. through 27, 26. I just turned 27 when I left. And what was your L.A. experience like? Frustrating. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that frustrated you other than clearly the traffic? Well, this is a little anecdote that mm. I think really symbolizes my experience with the two different cities. Mm-hmm. When I first moved to L.A., in my former life, not Former life as in past life. Former life as in mm-hmm. in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. I was an art dealer. Oh, and very cool. It is. It was very, very cool. And I moved to L.A. and I started working. I got a job as a director of a gallery. And 
people in LA would ask me how I was doing and I would say I'm really busy and they Mm -hmm. would look at me really weird and I couldn't understand (laughs) why. And then people in New York would ask me, how are you doing in LA? And I'd say I'm really busy and they'd be like, that's so good. Good for you. And I came to realize that being busy means two different things in the different places. Being busy in LA means that you are working way too hard, Mm. that you should be hiking more, Mm. that like you're struggling somehow. Whereas being busy in New York means Mm. that you're on your hustle, you're making things happen, you're manifesting shit. And I am a manifester. You know, I want to get shit done and Mm -hmm. I have a lot of goals that I need to accomplish in this Mm -hmm. lifetime. And in LA, everyone told me to chill out. Mm. And it was so aggravating. It felt actually like torture. It was cruel. Because why should I chill out? Mm -hmm. Like, what? why is hiking on Runyon Canyon more important than trying to schedule four conference calls in a day? It's certainly not. Yeah. I mean, I it just blew my mind. So the L.A.-New York difference was not just one of the many differences was that being busy was looked down upon in L.A. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That was my experience. Mm -hmm. I felt that it was you know, very difficult to get things moving when somebody, I I also felt like the joke was on me. I felt like I was being punked all the time because Mm -hmm. in New York, nobody says, let's get coffee or let's get a drink unless they're serious. In LA, everyone says it all the time. Everyone. So I was like putting it in my calendar, Uh being like coffee with this cool girl I met. Like, can't wait to make a new friend. Right. And then like they they would be ghosted by everybody. A hundred percent. And also because... And no disrespect to my L.A. friends, who you know I, I love you. Yeah, likewise. But the, <laughs> the reality is, L.A. people, because, as you said, they're not busy, they, you know, when you need to get something done, you ask a busy person to do it. And if you have one thing on your schedule that day, you're likely to cancel it, right? right. Because you're not doing anything else. Right. And it just takes so much energy to get to that one thing. Or to ghost it, you know, which is like kind of fucked up. Whereas in New York, I get three coffees with someone within two hours in between meetings. Right, exactly. And I make it work somehow. Yeah. I I wake up and I look at my schedule and I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm getting to everything today. And somehow I get to everything that day because I have so much shit in my schedule, you know? Right. I mean, I think that in New York, everybody has something to do. Mm -hmm. Like you look on the street and everybody, even if they are clearly like not not working mm-hmm. they're going somewhere oh yeah they're you know? like in a rush they're hustling to get there, yeah for sure and in LA the malaise mm. and just it, it's so like less than zero totally it's so I, I there's so much just sort of like entitlement right and privilege in not being able to need to do anything right a perfect example is that like the walk and the do not walk uh crosswalk signs in New York are a suggestion they're like, we suggest you don't walk. But if you're in a rush, like, jump in front of that truck really yeah, go ahead. But in L.A., you don't even have that option because cars are flying and flying. So you actually have to stand there and press, please let me walk that's button. An, that's another please good let me example. Walk button. Yeah. You know? that's, that's a good example. I like that. And then you're stuck. And you could be stuck to not be able to cross the street even after you've parked your car for, like, 15 minutes and then miss a meeting that way. Yeah. Which is tough. And time is the most valuable resource. Oh, my God. So it's... Time? Yeah. I mean, from a Capricorn rising to a Capricorn moon, we are the timekeepers of the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And it is... You will never, ever get it back. Money will fluctuate forever. You will never get time back. Time is the most important thing to me in the world. Time is more important than anything in my life. And it doesn't... It's gone in one second. Yeah. It's... You... It's... 
you can't do anything with it. It is the only boundary that we truly have. Mm-hmm. When I decided to move back, I was really conflicted for a couple of months because I had a car lease and I had a good apartment and I had moved there. And ultimately what did it is I was talking to an amazing friend of mine who's a cancer mm. and an incredible like hustler spirit. And I was like, please tell me, are people still getting shit done in New York? And she mm-hmm. was like, they are. Uh-huh. And I was like, I got to get back uh-huh. <laughs> because I'm too young right. to just waste my time. 100% agree. And, and I would actually argue that those years that you lived in LA are probably the worst years to live in LA because that's when we're like young and we're working hard and we're starting our life. So like for anyone listening that's like debating between moving to New York and LA after college, I really think it's New York. And if you plan to work hard and then like, you know, you go to LA if you want to when you are settling down more, I think. Yeah. I mean, raising a family and right. And you have like a space and you have weather and you have lovely accommodations and you have Gelson's and it's fabulous. But in New York, you get shit done. So if you are somebody with a Capricorn spirit or an Aries Cardinal spirit who wants to get shit done, do it in New York. Completely agree. Another thought on time is that one of the things that I would never ever have buyer's remorse in spending money on is buying time. Mm. So if that means... Um, having, you know, like scheduling a handy to clean all of the shit that I don't want to deal with. If it means taking a cab instead of the subway, Mm. if it means paying more money on legal zoom for them to do filing for me. So I don't have to for my LLC. Mm -hmm. I think that that is worth the investment because it gives me more time to do the things that I'm more inspired by and I would do a much better job doing. I completely agree. I, people think I'm crazy when I'm like hiring a task rabbit to do something or like X, Y, and Z. And it's, I feel the exact same way. Time is the most valuable thing. And I would also pay millions of dollars to get 24 hours back yeah, often. Right. If I had th- those dollars. You guys, I'm in the middle of getting ready for this wedding. It's like a destination wedding this weekend in Miami. I'm so, so excited. But I just realized I didn't get them a gift from their registry. So I thank God for Zola. I went to Zola.com, Z-O-L-A.com, and I picked them out a gift. You guys, weddings are very complicated. Like, it's not just one gift. It's one gift when they're engaged. It's one gift for the wedding. It's one gift if there's a bridal shower. You really, you got to stay on your shit And Zola is so incredible at taking all of the stress out of wedding planning for you. They've got free wedding websites, your dream registry. And you can even send out save the dates and invitations. And you don't have to use paperless post and pay like $20 a person because that's so ridiculous. Just go to Zola.com and check it out. It makes your life so much easier. No one needs stress when they're planning a wedding, like no one. You can set it up, make it nice. You put up all your pictures of you and your partner and the life you're going to live and the venue and all the details of the very exciting wedding that, you know, whether it's destination or not is is amazing usually. And it should be a fun process. Like it shouldn't be stressful for you. 
So I really want to help you guys out by giving you $50 off your registry. If you just go to Zola.com slash A-C-M-E Acme. So that's Z-O-L-A.com slash Acme now. I really think you should check out the website, you know, see what you can do there. Check out all the templates, like build a registry and just try to have some fun doing it. That's what Zola is for. They really, you know, they make it easy for you. And there's free shipping and returns, price matching, and so much more. So make your wedding website now by going to zola.com slash ACME and ask me questions if you have questions. I would love to answer them. Over 500,000 couples have already used Zola, and you could be the 500,001 do it. All right, back to the episode. So let's talk about Instagram stalking. A friend of mine asked me, and we don't have to spend too long on this because, you know, I'm sure we could, but a straight male friend of mine was like, you know, you should talk to your followers about stalking because you're so good at stalking on Instagram and like figuring things out from it. An example of that is I was dating a guy two or three years ago and through stalking on Instagram found out he had a girlfriend which he was, like, desperately trying to keep from me, naturally. Um, That's crazy. It was really nuts, yeah. And then I said to him, you know, like, thank you, I'm very flattered. But the reality is I don't really stalk my current boyfriend because, like, I really trust him, you know? And he was like, but do it for the single, for the singles, you know? And, like, think back to when you did need to stalk that person. So I guess my question to you is, like, what are some stalking techniques if you like to do that? Well, you know, it's very, very interesting that you're asking me this mm. on the day that you're asking me this mm. because my Saturn return, which has been going on this year, has been riddled with actually having a real stalker. Oh, shit. And they have only been appearing in digital format, mm. but they, you know, restraining order type shit. Wow. So I think that there is an important distinction we need to make societally between sleuthing mm. <laughs> and like, you know, trying to go down a rabbit hole of finding out who somebody is and right. like what they're up to versus trolling and harassing and sure. like being behind an anonymous account and trying to oh, that's ruin somebody's life. That is horrible. It I, is. I, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Honestly, I was just talking about like checking the likes of like their ex's picture to see if they're one of them. You know, it's but it's interesting because mm-hmm. it's all part of the same we you know we we use the same vernacular to discuss these things, mm-hmm. but they're really different, you mm-hmm. know. I personally think that, you know, if it's public, it's public. Right. If somebody is doing something on Instagram, if they're following somebody and it's a new girl pops mm. up and you're like who the fuck is this? and it's a public thing, that's is, you take a look. If it's right. private and it's on their phone and it's, or it's a hidden account or it's something that they don't want you to see, it's private. Mm-hmm. But public is public, right. you know? So if it's available to be found, find it. Right. And this is also, I'm also a detective. But don't take it, <laughs> agreed, same. But don't take it too far. Like, don't make a fake account and friend someone. Just to, like, just stop. Exactly. But that's exactly when it gets in, it crosses a line. Right. So what are the boundaries of it? Mm. I'm not sure. I don't have answers. But mm. what I in my... I just said them. Like, if it's public, if someone has a story that's public and you're curious, you can look at it. Yeah. But if they're private, don't make the account in front of them. Right. 
Right. And then don't go so far where you start friending their friends mm. and then the next thing you know you're commenting. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, we we go down a rabbit hole because we can these days. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just like sit behind a phone and do that. Yeah. Um, what is the longest relationship you've been in, Elisa? My current relationship. Nice. Mm-hmm. How long has that been? Almost two years. I love that. And so what was the, the longest before that? I think I had a year and a half in college. Mm-hmm. And then I had this long distance, weird, not real relationship that I thought was real. Mm-hmm. That, we all have those. Yeah. <laughs> Which lasted probably three years. Okay. What would you say is some advice on how to move on after, like, a longer-term relationship? Well, you know, I obviously approach things from a very astrological perspective Mm -hmm. now. I think that one of the best ways is to really figure out what lessons you've learned Mm -hmm. and to embrace the journey of what that taught you. Even if it is bringing up your abandonment issues Mm -hmm. of childhood – the relationship still allowed you to see them in a new light and from a new perspective. So as a manifesting person, mm-hmm. I like to use even difficult times as a way to propel me forward, mm. um, to think about how the information I received is something that I can incorporate into my life to become a better person. Mm-hmm. And I think astrology is a really helpful tool for doing that mm-hmm. for people who are not as cosmically inclined I think that you know just even reflecting on your emotions letting yourself feel all of them Mm -hmm. and seeing when you go down a rabbit hole of your own emotions where you lead right because it's probably going to lead you to something about your mom or your dad (laughs) always does I find that whenever like if I am going through a breakup and I decide to victimize myself like why did this happen or like why me then I do not properly heal from that But if I look at it and I'm like, you know, what, as you said, what lessons did I learn from this? Or, you know, yes, they hurt me really badly or like they broke up with me, you know, on our one year anniversary, let's say. But what? So L. Woods. So L. Woods. And and that (laughs) didn't happen, but I'm just using an example. Like what is, is something that I did to contribute to that? happening in right. a way and and being proactive about it as opposed and and not beating yourself up over it by any means I mean no one takes two to tango but more so like were there signs that I didn't see how can next time I not avoid this necessarily because you know things like that are probably inevitable but like you know what is the pattern what are the patterns in the people I'm dating totally like am I dating guys who think my shit doesn't stink am I dating guys who like only dip a toe in but aren't fully in the relationship like and usually it's it's pretty much one or the other right I mean I think also people ask me all the time Mm -hmm. what sign they should be with right and you know my obnoxious response is like well who are you Mm -hmm. like what's your chart Right. What makes you happy? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel safe? What makes you feel sexy? Right. Because before we can even go out and try to find compatible partners, we need to understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And different people illuminate us differently. Mm. So what ultimately compatibility is, is finding two people who both are inspiring each other in 
positive ways because a relationship could be really beneficial for one person and really toxic for another. Totally so it's not just, it doesn't just merge and right. become a relationship. Each mm-hmm. person is being influenced and affected differently. So you want them to be on, you want them both to be affected positively, mm-hmm. even if they're different. Yeah. That's great. And that's, I feel like what I'm in now and I'm sure what you feel like you're in now. Yeah. I think people come into our lives to teach us lessons Mm -hmm. and some of these lessons can last for decades and some of these lessons can last for years and some can last for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and they're all important. Each one of them is an integral component of our experience. But when we take what is a 20 minute lesson and we just push it out into being a two-year-long relationship, that's when we get into trouble Mm. because the lesson has already been learned. We don't need to keep learning the same lessons over and over and over again. That's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result, like learning the same lesson. I think it could definitely, you know, it's a maybe chicken or egg because it could definitely make somebody insane Mm. to do that. For sure. Because they're just in a wheel. Mm. Do you, are you friends with any of your exes to this day? I'm not very close friends with any of my exes. I check in with my ex from college. He was like a good friend. We were friends before we were dating too. Got it. But other than that, not really. Yeah, I think that's healthy. And we only have a few more minutes, so I'm just going to try to get this in. And then I want to ask you a quote or something that you, that you enjoy. But what is your opinion on handling mental health issues with a partner or your own? And in 2019 and like in the future, I think... Therapy is becoming more normalized, which is an incredible thing. And, you know, people are are more willing to get help. I don't know if there's a specific question here, but do you have any advice? Well, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. Mm -hmm. I go to a therapist. I have been going to a therapist since L.A. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I would have anywhere near the amount of depth about astrology if I wasn't looking inward. Of course. So I think that um, just taking, just being kind to yourself is the most important thing anybody can do. Mm -hmm. Before we can be kind to each other, we need to be kind to ourselves. Mm. And that's going to feel and look very differently from each person. And I just think that everybody being able to really look at their the amazing things and then the things that they see as um the things that they see as like negatives of their personality or of their emotions or experience aren't negatives they're lessons mm-hmm. right and if we flip the script and make it something that everything is something we can move through and we can evolve into it becomes a lot less daunting to deal with the things that we hate about ourselves right Right. I see therapy as like taking the reins on yourself. And I remember my before therapy attitude was truly that I was perfect, which is such a delusion. And that like, I know why other people need therapy, but I don't. And I think it was because I was thinking of therapy as something it wasn't. I was thinking of it as something for people who had issues and we all have issues. There's not one person who's exempt from that category and not even not even about issues, but now I use therapy as a tool to become more self-aware. And not being self-aware is honestly a disease in my in my opinion, and it can make you sick. Well, it's definitely also narcissism. Mm-hmm. It's full-on narcissism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I see, you know, when I started therapy, I felt that I was still an art dealer at that point. And I was trying to keep up with my colleagues who all came from tons of money. And I just couldn't, I was going in deeper and deeper into debt. I just didn't have the resources Mm -hmm. and I felt so fragmented. Mm -hmm. And I went into therapy as so that I could have all of my truths exist in one place for the first time. And obviously through that process, I also had like a broken home, right? Mm -hmm. So these literal things that happen to us become emotional experiences Mm. as well. And I definitely think that just finding a place where everything could be honest Mm -hmm. is a really good way to start. And whether that's with a therapist or an astrologer or a psychic or a tarot reader, just somebody that you can tell all of your truths to. And of course, we live in a world now which is filled with lies Mm -hmm. and lying isn't a problem anymore, but you can't be self-reflective unless you tell the truth. Would you say that's your quote? Sure. That's a good one. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) I love that. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we got to meet. I am too. I know that we'll keep in touch for sure. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. Um, (laughs) I'll find you. But not in that creepy soccer way. Yeah, yeah. In the the, the other way. In In the the normal way. (laughs) In the sleep Um, way. In the way that you gave me your number. Um, So... Please tell our followers and listeners where they can follow you and listen to you and read about you and all the other good stuff. Aliza Kelly on okay. everything. Yeah. A-L-I-Z-A. <laughs> Check Aliza out. You can find her on our list of who we are following on We Met at Acme. Write us a review. And do you do any readings anymore? I do. Okay, great. So if you want a reading... Do you need a referral to get a No, you can just go on my website. As of today, I'm very booked up, Mm -hmm. but it opens up periodically, and that is the place to book it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Aliza. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Did I mention that we are on Patreon? So that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash We Met at Acme. Please become a patron for us. We're giving you so many amazing, amazing features. We're giving you bonus episodes, questions that you can ask me directly, a monthly Ask Me Anything, a We Met at Acme hat. We're even doing an in-person meetup so we can hang out. Like, guys, these are incredible things. You're paying anywhere between, like, $5 and $50, but, like, no one has to pay 50. Five is totally fine too. You could even just throw in $2 if you like what we're doing. So I really hope you become a patron and I will be obsessed with you if you do. And I will answer all your dating advice questions like right away. So I mean, guys, do it. All right. Love you.